0: Pray as we begin. Lord, we come together today in your name, in the name of Jesus. Lord, only by your spirit can our hearts be opened, our minds be cleared. Lord, I'm not going to hurry. And those who want to hurry will quickly bypass this broadcast because we don't do it in a couple minutes and then on to the next. Lord, we want to take our time. We want to understand. We want to walk carefully in your spirit that you could come in mighty power And open before us the way of truth. For Lord, I don't think there's anything more important to you than to destroy the work of the devil in our hearts, in our lives, on earth. That's why you said you came your Apostle John said you came to destroy the devil's works. Lord, we're coming today asking you to destroy the work of the devil in our own hearts in every respect. You know that for some time I have prayed, Lord, remove the veil from my eyes. And in response to that prayer, you have answered me very powerfully and you have removed a veil from my eyes and have opened to me a deeper and new understanding of why we're in such trouble in the American church Jesus thank you Lord thank you Lord i come to honor to honor your mighty name Lord i've come to to recognize that you are the Messiah. You are my Lord. So, Lord, we come to worship you, to honor your name, to praise you. Thank you. Thank you. I pray in your mighty name. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I've raised with help two beautiful children, children I'm very proud of. When they were babies, and they were restless or they were crying, I would give them what we called a binky. Binky. You all are familiar with this term. And they would suck on that binky, but they would get no nourishment out of it. And when it was time for them to eat, I would if they were sucking on a binky, take it away and give them the nipple of the bottle. Or if in the case of being breast-fed by my wife, she would bring the child to her breast and begin to feed the child. And as the child suckled on that nipple, the milk would flow. Nourishing milk. Now Peter tells us it's necessary that we drink that pure spiritual milk that we could grow up in Christ. That we would not remain immature babies. See, there's nothing wrong with A baby that's six or eight months old or a little older, sucking on a binky. The problem comes when that child grows up and they're 21 and they're still sucking on the binky. That's when the problem starts. When they never grow up. Now, I, with a bit of tongue-in-cheek, titled this broadcast, The Holy Spirit Took My Binky. What am I saying? The American Christian Church is sucking on a binky. And we like it that way. Remember Jesus said, my body is real food. And my blood is real drink. Inviting us to feast upon him. Of course, he's speaking spiritually. He was not speaking of cannibalism as the Romans charged him with. So what am I talking about with the binky? And what did the Holy Spirit take from me? Well, I was raised in the American Christian Church. I'm a product of the American Christian Church. And I, too, went from denomination to denomination, finally becoming independent, non-denominational, looking, searching. And the hardest task I've had to engage in is getting past all of the lies I was taught about the scriptures from a child, high school, college, graduate school, and then church. I was taught many things that simply are not true. And one of the things that I was taught was to keep the binky in my mouth. And what is the binky? It is the teaching by the vast majority of the American Christian Church that when Jesus died on the cross, He loved us unconditionally and that he removed our sins. That is, he forgave us for our sins. If he forgave us for our sins, they say that is the gospel by faith. Saved by faith, by grace. And so the American gospel is that you say a sinner's prayer and your sins are forgiven, your past sins. You're washed clean. No regeneration. No transformation of your heart. you're the same old, same old. Except now, you say, my sins are forgiven and I'm saved and I'm on my way and now I can be a part of the church and the church is my social group, the church is my entertainment. The church is the place where they hold the concerts. It's an institution. The problem with all of this is that It's a binky. What do I mean? I mean that if you continually believe that you are saved by faith, by grace, and that means the gospel is simply the forgiveness of your past sins, and that you are now saved and can never lose your salvation, if that's what you believe, you're sucking on a binky. There is no flowing of the milk of the gospel in your heart. And so you'll be able to go year after year with some self-improvement. But of course, even pagans live year after year, and they also have some self-improvement. And if you look at many of the reformed so-called churches today, Presbyterian many Baptist and others they'll have many classes and workshops on how to strategize for success and how to how to get ahead how to be a better person marriage strategies and it just goes on and on and self-help if you go to any bookstore that calls itself a Christian bookstore today, you'll find that the majority of books in that store are about self-help, strategies for success, how to set boundaries, how to deal with anger. Every topic is covered. And so, Christian church today is malnourished. It's starving. It has not matured. It is a starving, dying baby. And as that starving, dying baby has recognized that it is losing its influence on the culture, it has adopted... Increasingly, strategies of seeker-sensitive churches, of entertainment concerts, Christian worship music has become very, very big in America. A radio station here in the D.C. area that I began a half-hour show every Friday night while I was in college, WGTS FM. Today, it's a very well-established station in Washington, D.C., and they play all the modern Christian music. Unfortunately, most of it is not Christian. It's all just modern. It's adopted hip-hop and every other form of, of music, every genre of music. But it disdains the old Wesleyan hymns. They're boring. They want something snappy and fast and entertaining, sexy, sentimental. So the church has substituted its programs, its social programs, even wonderful organizations like Salvation Army, Have become NGOs. They're not really about the salvation of men and women. They have totally left the old fashioned way of going out on the streets. Now they even hire their bell ringers because they can't find people who will volunteer because they've become a shell an institution, a do-good organization. They do much good. I applaud them. I even at times have donated to them. But let's not mistake them for an army of godly men and women going for the salvation of the lost and the dying. That's just not a part of it. And so the binky that America has, the American church has sucked on has caused the American church to be utterly devoid of holiness, of sanctification. Oh, they've set their own human standards of righteousness. They've set their own standards of, of what it means to be saved. But it is not anything like what is found in the scriptures. It's simply a shell of its former self. And I hear many people saying, oh, there's going to be a great revival in America. No, 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 no. Wait a minute. Do you know what brings revival historically? Historically, it's been throwing the binky away and beginning to understand that the gospel of Jesus Christ is about a man or a woman being born from above, being transformed into the likeness of Jesus, and that man or woman living for Jesus Christ, leaving their wickedness, leaving their sin, turning the television off, turning off the worldly entertainment, turning off the the sports, turning off all of those things that entertain the heart of so many Christian people. I know what I'm saying is not popular, but if you believe in once saved, always saved, if you believe that you are saved because you said a sinner's prayer, if you believe that you are continuing in your sin and that there's no full victory in Jesus Christ, then I can tell you right now, spiritually you're dying, or you're already dead, and you're just walking in a, in a form of godliness, but you're dead. And in the day of judgment, you will be lost. There's an attitude that, Peter begins to talk about. Let me read it for you. Christ suffered in his body. Arm yourselves with the same attitude. Because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires but rather for the will of God. <coughs> Pardon me, I'm still in recovery mode. Look at verse 2. This is 1 Peter 4, verse 2. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires. He's done with sin. He's not trying to gain the victory over sin. He has the victory. The victory over sin comes by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Victory over sin is a free gift of grace given to us by Jesus Christ. Now, if you do not live the rest of your earthly life after you come to Jesus Christ for righteousness, in righteousness, walking in reality, in victory, if you live the rest of your earthly life for evil human desires, you will die. That's what Peter is saying. He's setting Look, you're going to suffer. If you're like the world, and you walk like the world, and you think like the world, you'll suffer just like the world suffers. But it won't be for righteousness, and it won't be for Jesus. Verse 3, for you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do. Now, he gives us a hit list of things that pagans typically do they live in debauchery and debauchery is an addiction it is giving myself it is giving myself to sexual impurity to sensuality it may not be having sex with someone it may be just in the way you dress and it seems that That women today, and men want women today, to be undressed in public. And so the popular stars of our day are barely covered. Their thong bathing suits. Their breasts exposed. One Christian man said, I'm so upset by this woman who came to this business meeting and her breasts were almost totally exposed but she claimed I was her pastor well but then his wife also has her breasts much exposed I mean there's just this attitude today We can expose ourselves in our bathing suits, in the way we dress. Debauchery is giving attention, undue attention, to nakedness. It is giving undue attention to those things that we become addicted to. It is a wild and free lifestyle. The hippies were the example of debauchery in my youth. And then God responded to that debauchery by moving sovereignly and saving many of them. The second on the list is lust which comes out of the heart, out of the natural man, lust for things, lust for money, ambition, then drunkenness, giving ourselves to strong drink or even wine so that we become numbed in the part of our brain that deals with conscience. So we're free to do whatever we want to do. And orgies. Party time. Carousing. Well, what is carousing? Carousing is loud and boisterous social gatherings where people are telling dirty jokes. Where they're laughing loudly. You can tell as soon as you walk into a room, whether it's a room of carousers. I was invited last year to a a New Year's Eve party. And so I went. And the alcohol began to flow. I thought I could be some kind of witness but I quickly found I could not speak with drunken people. And people were laughing and shouting. I got up and walked out. I just left. I couldn't stand it. And detestable idolatry. That is the worship of things. The worship of people. The worship of your pets. It is detestable idolatry before God. He alone is God. He alone is the comforter of our hearts. He alone is the one who who walks with us. Verse 4, they think it strange, that is, pagans, that you do not plunge with them into the same flood of dissipation and they heap abuse on you. But they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. I find many Christians will heap abuse on me and on others who do not believe in this binky game of sucking on something that gives you no nourishment, sucking on this belief that I'm saved because my sins have been forgiven. No, that's not the gospel. The gospel is the good news that Jesus Christ has come to you and invited you to be crucified with him and you have died with him and you've been resurrected with him and you are now a new creature in Christ Jesus and you leave behind. You leave behind all wickedness, all sin, all flesh. You leave behind the debauchery the drunkenness, the idolatry. You walk away from it. Now you're going to dress differently. You're going to act differently. Your values will be dramatically changed to reflect the heart and the life and the joy of walking in Jesus Christ. And if that is not the case, and if you choose to continue to suck on your binky, you're going to have to give account to the judge. He says in verse 7, The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. I know when I hold a meeting for prayer and almost no one prays, it's because they don't have a clear mind. They don't understand their condition before God and they refuse to repent. Oh, they'll come and they'll listen. They'll listen to this radio broadcast. But tomorrow I'll open the window and say, please call and pray and very few will call and pray. Why? because there's not a clear mind it's not set on jesus it's set on on the binky be clear minded be self controlled so that you can pray Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. In other words, as we walk together, we don't condemn one another. I see people walking in sin. My heart is not to condemn them. My heart is to love them with the love of Jesus. And to call them out of that sin. But there are some sins. I can't talk about. Because if I talked about. They disappear. So. I walk carefully in the spirit. That love covers over. A multitude of sins. You may have to cover over the sins of your wife. Or of your husband. You may have to cover over the sins of your children because they're not yet ready to leave their sin. They don't have clear minds, they don't understand the real issues yet. He says offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do so as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is a description of what the church should look like. Where every person who comes into that church has been transformed or is being transformed by the blood of Jesus Christ. Yes, their sins are forgiven. That doesn't mean they're saved. There has to be the next step. A much bigger step where I have confessed my sins, Jesus has heard my repentance, I have turned from them, and he now comes and transforms me into a new creature, a new person, with new values and new, new ideas. And he puts love in my heart and joy in my heart. And so I come And Peter says, don't be surprised if you're going to be persecuted for this. You're not going to plunge into the dissipation. Uh, Dissipation meaning to drain away one's strength and energy. And I would ask you, what do you do today that drains away your strength and your energy that is not in service to Jesus Christ? I'm just cutting out of my life and have cut anything that does not strengthen me in the journey with Jesus. I don't have time for it. I don't have time for it. Well, pastor, what do you do for fun? Well, the word fun is never found in scripture. That's just not a part of the gospel. No, in the gospel, there's rest enjoying nature there is caring for one another there is being responsible before God and with each other to encourage and lift up you mean what is it that we all most want isn't it to be loved and this is what we're called as followers of Jesus Christ to offer one another this Incredible love given to us by Jesus. Compassion, mercy, long-suffering. He says, dear friends, verse 12, do not be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. That is suffering for being a follower of Jesus Christ. not plunging into the flood of dissipation, not plunging into that wickedness. I know. I hear over and over, Pastor, I'm saved. I'm on my way to heaven. But you live like the world. So how can you say you're saved and you're on your way to heaven? Well, I have my past sins forgiven. That doesn't save you. Having your past sins forgiven does not save you. What saves you is the blood of Jesus Christ that transforms you as you are crucified with him and as you are resurrected with him and you become a new person in Christ Jesus. And this is done by faith. It is not something you can do for yourself. It is a total transformation of your life and of your heart. And many of you listening have never been born from above. You have never experienced the transforming power of the Holy Spirit to come and take from you that love of alcohol, to take from you the love of bitterness or anger, to take from you the sexual uncleanness. Oh, Pastor, I've, I've struggled for years to, to overcome Pornography. Well, the reason you're struggling for years to overcome it is because it has a hook in you. And the only way you're going to overcome it is you have to cut it off. You have to die to that thing. You can go through a lot of psychological machinations, but bottom line, where is our comfort found? my comfort is found in Jesus Christ. My comfort is found in Jesus Christ. It's found in reading his word. It's found in praying in meditating on the word. It's found in sharing with others, brothers and sisters, the good news of the gospel and talking about how we're, we're changed, and then even asking one another to pray for each other, that areas of temptation could be avoided, that areas of temptation could be dropped from our hearts, that we would be strengthened in the Spirit. Do not be surprised at the painful trial you're suffering, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice that you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. If you're insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. Does the spirit of God and does the spirit of glory rest on you today? the only possible way it can rest on you is if you've been born again and you're a new creature and you no longer walk in sin. If you still walk in sin, First John, the third chapter, if you still walk in sin, you are still a son or daughter of the devil. There is total victory in Jesus. There is a total regeneration, restoration. I am to look like and act like Jesus Christ in you, the hope of glory. If you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or as a thief or as any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, Do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. For it is time for judgment to begin with the family of God. Now, Peter is saying this to us with a recognition that he is soon to go to the cross. He is soon to be crucified, and his precious wife is going to be crucified with him. And so he says, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed. Don't be ashamed to be crucified. Don't be ashamed to die for Jesus. Don't be ashamed to witness that Jesus is the Christ because you're afraid of their disapproval. Don't be afraid you'll lose your job if you witness for Jesus. Now, if you say and do something judgmental and foolish, you'll lose your job. But the person who hires you should see your righteousness. They should see your love expressed. Not judgment, but love. For it is time for judgment to begin with a family of God. And if it begins with us... What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Well, what is that gospel of God? Again, it is not that your sins have been forgiven. The gospel of God is that you have been totally transformed into a new person, and you now have victory over all sin. He says, If it is hard for the righteous to be saved, What will become of the ungodly and of the sinner? I'm going to be real straight with you. It is going to be very difficult for you to go to heaven. You are not a shoe-in. I'm not a shoe-in. And we in America have built into our system such arrogance and such pride. Oh, I believe, they say, in eternal security. Pastor, do you believe in eternal security? No, I don't. Well, you're wrong, pastor. Mm-hmm. And off they go. I was talking to a man today who, in his home church, his house church, when they found out that he did not believe in once saved, always saved, they fled. When he he said he didn't believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, that he couldn't find it in the scriptures, they said, well, that's wrong. I believe that. Such pride, such arrogance. A naturally occurring trait of a born-again person is humility. Humility. Humbleness of heart, not rage and anger, not judgment, not cutting off and running. My heart has been so hurt by people who judge me in their self-righteousness and then totally cut me off from their families and their lives. I'm garbage to them. Pardon me. I consider it an honor to be cut off by men and women who are filled with pride and arrogance, by people who are filled with pride. If it's hard for the righteous to be saved. And it is. Because the gate is narrow. The path is straight. It's not easy to enter. (coughs) It's not going to be easy for you to be saved. I'm being very clear with you today. There is no cheap grace. And in America, we have assumed so much because we have interpreted the gospel to mean I'm saved by grace, by faith, and I continue walking in my sin, but I'm getting better. The rest of my life, I'll be walking in sanctification. No, sanctification is not the process of a lifetime. Growing up in Christ is the process of a lifetime. And I'll make many mistakes as I grow up, but they will not be intentional and they will not be rebellion against Jesus. A Christian does not walk in any known sin. Chapter 5. Look at verse 5. Young men, be submissive to those who are older. All of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all of your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. The mark of a, of a Christian is humility. It's humility. It's not defensiveness. It's not, I'm right, you're wrong. The mark of a Christian is love, humble love. And it's something we must choose for ourselves. We choose to humble our hearts before God. Cast all of your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace, to his eternal glory in Christ, After you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. With the help of Silas, whom I regard as a faithful brother, I've written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. What is the true grace of God? To walk in humility before God in the fullness of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus that teaches me the way of righteousness, the power of the Holy Spirit that comes as the Father trimming all the excess foliage off my life who prunes me, who disciplines me, who shapes me and molds me and calls upon me to totally and completely submit my life to Jesus Christ. I'm to use whatever gifts I have but use them humbly at the direction of the Holy Spirit. You see, if you live with a binky in your mouth, sucking on it, you'll get no nourishment, and you'll live year after year, not making progress with Jesus. Your heart will be cold or lukewarm, You'll go through the rituals of the church. You'll go through the church calendar. You'll go through soon the decorating of the church. But you will not be winning people to Jesus because your heart is not on fire. And when you look through the lenses that the gospel is simply my sins are forgiven, You will miss the gospel of Jesus Christ and you cannot be saved. I want for you salvation. I want for you the fullness of the presence of Jesus Christ. I want for you the joy of the good tidings of the gospel. Of Jesus. Well tomorrow we're going to call for a day of prayer. I'd ask would you please have a clear enough mind. Enough. Power and presence in the Holy Spirit. That you can call and pray. You can call from anywhere in the country. One family calls from Alaska. Another from Panama. Panama. People call from all over. Would you call and pray tomorrow and open your heart to Jesus? Well, we're almost out of time. I need your help. We're in the last part of the month of November and we are several thousand dollars short of where we need to be. It's been a very, very slow month. And it's not that Jesus has not honored my prayers. It's that men and women have been too busy, caught up in their own life, and have not been able to hear the Holy Spirit speak to them. I thank those of you who have stepped forward and have given. I need many more of you to do the same if this radio broadcast is to continue next month. So would you would you go to the webpage nationalprayerchapel.com and give as the holy spirit leads you to and would you consider writing to me I would love to hear your testimonies I praise God for Lynn and for others who have written I praise God for Twyla I look forward so to her letters she is so vulnerable and beautiful. Gail, others of you, thank you. Write to me at National Prayer Chapel. That's National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia 22195. That's again National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 23 Forty-six, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. You're also welcome to come and worship with us on Sunday morning. We start at 10 a.m. We wrap up about noon, and then we have lunch together. We're a small house church. You're welcome to come. Go to our webpage, NationalPrayerChapel.com, and you'll find directions for how you could reach us. And don't be late. Be serious. Don't drop in. Come and be a part of it. Now let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your mercy and your grace. And I ask today that you would come in mighty power for each person listening that you see the cry of their hearts, that you would meet them where they are today, that you would encourage them, that you would fill them with your love and your mercy. And if they are walking in sin, that you would bring deep heart-torn conviction that they would be born from above. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. God bless you, my brother and sister. I'll talk to you soon.